Uh, before I read Judges chapter 7, I want to read for you James chapter 4, verse 13. You don't need to turn there. Just get to Judges chapter... Did I say James 7? I meant Judges 7. Judges 7, and I'll read for you James chapter 4, all right? Uh, verse number 13. Go to now, ye that say, today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain, whereas you know not what shall be on the moral, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appear for a little time and then vanisheth away. For that year ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. In these verses, James is counseling men against the foolishness of making plans before considering what the Lord would have. What would the Lord have? And he says, James is telling us, you can make all the wishes you want, all you want you wish and please, but at the end of the day, God's plan will unfold. It's God's plan. It will take place. So it's better for us to learn in our plans, in our situations, to base them upon His plan, what He wants, what His desire is for our life. And that will help us along so much greater. We all make plans. From the smallest, the youngest mind here that can actually formulate a plan to the oldest, everybody here likes to make plans. Some of us in larger details than others. You know, uh, maybe one kid says, I, I need to make a plan to raise some money uh, to go to the store and buy my favorite game at Walmart. Well, his plan might go to, to mom and say, mom, I need the money. Simple plan. Others might say, well, I need to have a lemonade stand to raise some money because I don't want to ask my parents for money because every said no, so I need to raise some money to get this toy. So we all make plans. doesn't matter who we are. We all make them. We're all really good at it. But we better make sure that our plan follows God's plan. We better make sure. I think of some stories in the Bible, some individuals. Peter and his others had fished all night without catching a fish. Jesus told them to go into deeper water and they would catch fish. Peter's plan was when he came in was to go home and forget about fishing. Right? That was his plan that day in Luke chapter 5. But when he obeyed the Lord, he found out that God had the best plan, right? That was the best plan. He had a huge catch. You know, when Goliath saw David to meet him for battle, he thought, this is going to be an easy out. I'm going to take care of this in five seconds flat. I'm going to feed this young un to the birds, to the fowls of the air. Then the stone sank in his forehead and uh, God had a different plan, right? God had a different plan. The Israelite spies went into Canaan and they saw the giants that lived there in Numbers chapter 13 and they made plans to find themselves a new leader to get back to Egypt. But over the next 40 years, God unfolded His plan and said, you're not going into the promised land. They, God had a different plan. Then there's other examples in the Word of God. and Here we see the same thing for Gideon. His army was about ready to go into battle. Now, they had they had some sort of plan. We're actually not told the plan that Gideon had might have been working on with his generals or his lieutenants or anything. Before the battle was even joined with their plan, God said, I have a best plan. I have the best plan. Let's look at Judges chapter 7, verse number 1. Then Jeroboam, who was Gideon, and all the people that were with him, rose up early and pitched beside the will of Herod, and so that the host of the Mennonites was on the north side of them by the hill of Morah in the valley. And the Lord said unto Gideon, The people that are with thee are too many for me to give the Mennonites into their hands, lest Israel vaunt themselves against me, saying, Mine own hand have saved me. 
Now therefore go to proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, Whosoever is fearful and afraid, let him return and depart early from Mount Gilead. And there returned of the people twenty and two thousand, and there remained ten thousand. And the Lord said unto Gideon, The people are too many. Bring them down unto the water, and I will try them for thee there. And it shall be that of whom I say unto thee, This shall go with thee, the same shall go with thee. And whomsoever I say unto thee shall not go with thee, the same shall not go. So he brought down the people unto the water. And the Lord said unto Gideon, Everyone that lappeth of the water with his tongue as a dog lappeth, him shalt thou set by himself. Likewise, everyone that bow down upon his knee to drink. And the number of them that lappeth putting their hand to their mouth were three hundred, but all the rest of the people bowed down upon their knee to drink the water. And the Lord said unto Gideon, By the three hundred that lapped, will I save you and deliver the Midianites into thine hand, and let all the other people go, every man to his place. So the people took victuals in their hands and their trumpets, and he sent all the rest of Israel, every man into his tent, and retained those three hundred men, and the host of Midian was beneath them in the valley. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Dear Jesus, thank you for another time to be in your house. Lord, without a doubt, we are bombarded by all kinds of plans. Lord, help us, most importantly, to know your plan. Help us to be in the place to follow your plan. Lord, calm us from the busyness of life. Help us to focus on your word here for a time. I pray these things in your holy and precious name. Amen. God's plan probably will not be the easiest plan. And it probably won't be the most popular plan. And it may even seem like it's not the smartest plan in our human logic. But you know what I found out? You know what Gideon found out? Gideon before me. God's plan is the best plan. God's plan is the best plan. The realities of God's plan. Gideon planned to march into battle with 32,000 soldiers. Now, I'm going to be honest that's a lot of men, but you know how many men were facing him? We know from as 135,000. I mean, I'm going to be honest, that's, that's even taking a lot of bravery just to think about that. But God had a different plan. When we make our plans for lives, we always, we always stack the deck in our favor. Right? We don't say, I'm, not, I'm going to disadvantage myself even before I begin. No, we always stack it in favor for us. That's human nature. God will usually have a different plan for your life than you've ever thought about. I don't think David, as a shepherd boy, was in his field with those sheep wondering or thinking, you know what, I could be a better king than anybody else of Israel. No. I don't think that was ever on David's mind until he was anointed by Samuel. Oh, Saul Tarshish, you know what his plan was? His plan was to destroy Christianity. I mean, he was active in that plan. But God had a different plan, right? God had a different one. The test of truly concentrated life is that he's willing to submit to the plans of God. Luke twenty-two forty-two says, saying, Father, if thou will remove this cup from me, nevertheless, not will my will, but thine be done. His will be done, even that contradicts, or it's opposed my plan, my desire. God has a plan, and it might not be anywhere close to what you think it will be. God's plan is declared uh, is a declared plan. He's got it set out. He tells Gideon that he's got an army of thirty-two thousand. We just read this portion of scripture, and uh, and now he's reduced it down to three hundred. 
And let's look at verse number 9. And it came to pass the same night, the Lord said unto him, Arise, get thee down unto the host, for I have delivered into thine hand. But if thou fear to go down, go with Aphurah thy servant down to the host, and thou shalt hear what they say, and afterward shall thine hands be strengthened to go unto the host. Then went he down with Aphurah his servant <coughs> unto the outside of the armed men that were in the host. And the Midianites and the Malachites and the all the children of the east lay along in the valley like grasshoppers for a multitude, and the camels were without number as the sand by the sea for a multitude. Just stop, pause there. Can you imagine being one of the 300 and this is the scene you're seeing before you? Can you imagine? This is, this is tough stuff. This isn't easy to take. We had 32. Thousand. Now we're down to 300 and we look in the valley and it's like the, the sand in the seashore. I mean, it, it was incredible view, a credible army before them. And verse number 13, and when Gideon was come, behold, there was a man that told a dream uh, unto his fellow and said, behold, I dreamed a dream and lo, a cake of barley bread tumbled into the midst uh, into the host of Midian and came unto a tent and smote it, that it fell and overturned it, that the tent lay along. And his fellow answered and said, This is nothing else save the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, the man of Israel. For into his hand God hath God delivered Midian and all the host. I'm pretty sure when Gideon found out he only had 300 left, he was becoming a little bit despondent. I know I would be. You know, I had 32,000, then went down to 10,000, now I got 300. Now he goes down the valley. The Lord says, go down there and see what I'm doing in the hearts of the enemy. And that step of faith by following the Lord down into the valley, he was encouraged. God removed all the fears. He knew this is exactly what he's supposed to do. You know, you know, the Lord expects me and you, everybody who has accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, he expects us to, to walk in obedience to his will. No Christian gets an out on that. No Christian says, I'm going to do it my way for so long and then I'll come back. No, your duty is to obey God. Is to obey His will for your life. And He leads us along. And He makes the path. I mean, sometimes the path is a little bit, um, shall we say, foggy. Not quite sure what will happen. But He's with us each and every step of the way. Each and every step of the way. You know, God speaks to His children in the following ways. By His Word. You know, I continuously mention that you need to be in God's Word. Amen? And you still need to be in God's Word. I will continue to mention that. That you need to be in God's Word because He speaks through His Word. Absolutely. Uh, Romans 10.17 says that. So faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. You need to be in God's Word. So that's one method He uses uh, through His Word. He speaks through His Spirit. As we're walking with the Lord, the Spirit moves in our hearts and lives. Uh, hey, maybe that time uh, when you were at the grocery store and you're getting ready to pay and you have a sense in your, you know, the Lord brings it to mind that you should witness to the cashier or at least give her a track. That is the Holy Spirit moving in your heart. He does that in all our lives as individual believers. Uh, he speaks through other believers. Uh, people I I who are in authority positions in your life, uh, maybe a, a husband or a wife, uh, th that kind of idea, they come alongside and they encourage you to do what is right. He uses them. He speaks through circumstances of life. He uses those events of life to help you see, hey, this is what I need to do. 
This is where you need to go. This is what God has for you. And we need to follow. Knowing His plan requires prayer. It requires prayer. I've counseled with numerous individuals to say, Lord, uh, Pastor, I'm trying to figure out what the Lord wants for me. Have you prayed about it? Nope. That's a great step. Now, I'll pray with you right now, but you need to pray about it. You need to be in God's Word. You need to be living righteously. You need to be patient. That's a hard one, isn't it? Be patient. And be sure, in His time, in His time, He will reveal His plan. And when He does, you will see that it's a different plan than probably you had uh, put together. But the plan that He has is amazing. It's beyond your comprehension. You never thought you... You couldn't put it together like that. But God did. The surest path to knowing His plan is to practice Romans 12.1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Hey, if you're serious about finding out God's plan, you live that verse, He will show you the plan. He will guide your steps. And you know, everybody's God's plan for everybody's life is different. Not one is the same. Now, there's similarities, obviously, yes. But they're not all identical. Gideon's men were to surround the enemy. Surround the enemy. Uh, look over in verse number 15. And so it was when Gideon heard the telling of the dream and interpretation thereof, he worshipped and returned into the host of Israel and said, Arise, so the Lord hath delivered into your hand the host of Midian. And he divided the three hundred men into three companies and put a trumpet in every man's hand with empty pitchers and lamps within the pitchers. And he said unto them, Let uh, look on me and do likewise. And behold, when I come to the outside of the camp, it shall be that as I do, so shall ye do. When I blow that with a trumpet, and I and all that are with me, then blow ye the trumpets also every uh, side of the camp. And say, The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. So Gideon and his hundred men that were with him came unto the outside the camp in the beginning of the middle of the watch. They had been newly set the watch, and they blew the trumpets and break the pitchers that were in their hands. And the three companies blew the trumpets and break the pitchers and held the, the lamps in their left hands and trumpets in their right hands to blow with, with awe. And they cried, The sword of the Lord and of Gideon! And they stood every man in his place round about the camp, and all the hosts ran and cried and flee, fled. And verse 23 tells us that they, they smote each other even as they fled. So think about this, 300 against 135,000 enemy. And this enemy is not a bunch of um, newbies. These are veterans. These are people who have been involved now in the oppression of Israel for many years. So you know what the odds are? That's one against every 450. That's insanely horrible odds, folks. That is horrible. They'll sound their trumpets, shout for the battle, and break their little clay uh, pitcher containing an oil lamp. You mentioned, you see what's not mentioned here is swords, spears, or shields. The weapons of war are not mentioned here that, you know, he and his men have. They don't have it. 
The left hand uh, is to hold the, 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 the light, and the right is to blow the trumpet. You can't use a sword when your hands are full. There's no mention of any weapons here. God says, you, you do this, and I'll give you a victory. This is a distinct plan. No one would ever come up with this plan. Nobody. And if someone had suggested this before, I'm sure the other 300 fellows in the camp would have slapped them. I mean, this does not make any sense. I love to read military history. There is no plan that I've ever read that comes remotely close to this. Not even close. This is distinct. This, this is, some people would say, madness. We're not going to win like this. Had Gideon and his men that had not been willing to follow God's plan, they would have missed out on what God's best for their lives and for Israel. So it is with the plans of God for you. There's times when the Lord will lead you in a direction you never imagined. And He can come up with plans for our lives that are very distinct. But when we go His way, we find out that His way is the best way. Now, let's just think about Gideon and his 299, you know, 300 men. Do you think they were extremely comfortable on the hill looking down the valley that night? That they weren't comfortable until they came, God gave them this plan. And even then, I do wonder if they just weren't a little bit afraid, but like, we're going to do it anyway. Isn't that what we call like a step of faith? No one's ever done this. We don't understand this, Lord. Help us, Lord. But we're going to do what you tell us to do. The requirement of God's plan. If a person or church is going to walk in God's plan, you know, God wants us to do a few things with His plan. We need to surrender to it. We need to surrender to it. Think about this. There was 32,000 followers of Gideon at first. I mean, I, Gideon is just like me or you. I, I know that I would feel pretty good about myself if I had 32,000 people follow me into battle. Yep. And I'm sure, I'm sure a few other fellows would be like the same thing here. Yeah, yeah, I feel pretty good about that, Pastor. Then God's plan says, reduce the army to 300. I gotta wonder if his pride wasn't just a tad bit crushed. I mean, this, this is total surrender. That, that did not do anything for his ego, did it? I mean, 32,000, ego is up. 300, the ego is through the basement. I mean, there's there's just no way. What Gideon learned was this fight was not about Gideon. It wasn't about the army. This battle was the Lord's. It was nothing to do with them. He was going to use the little to show how great he is. Gideon had come to a place where he was laying outside his plans, his goals, his dreams, and surrendered to the will of God. What do you want, Lord? And listen, the Lord still requires that to us today. He still says to individual believers, release those dreams, release those plans, release those things, those goals, and just follow me. I have the best plan. And if you come and tell me that he doesn't, you're in really bad place. I'm not. Because we know from God's word, isn't he a good God? He is absolutely a good God. And we might not understand everything he's doing. I don't. But we can see from Scripture that he's a good God. And he wants to lead us. And we need to follow his plan. 
There's verses in God's Word to help us to know that He has our best interests in mind. Romans 8.28 And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to His purpose. Jeremiah 29.11 For I know the thought that I, I think toward you, saith the Lord, the thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you an expected end. You know, this, this is a really good statement. Life is not about our plans. Do you get that? This life is not about your plans. It's about the glory of God. It's not about us. No. It's not about us. It's about Him. So not only do they require us to uh, surrender, we need to submit. God's plan to succeed, getting His army had to submit to God's plan. So He sees His army reduced, 32,000, 10,000, then there's 300. <coughs> I mean, I can't even imagine how Gideon looked as he watched the first big group leave with all their weapons and all their potential. 22,000 is a lot of people as he watched them march out of camp. That must have been very discouraging. And then just a little bit later, see 9,700 march out with their weapons and potential. Gideon, the 300 who remained, had to walk in obedience to God's will for this battle or they had no chance of survival. Remember, the odds are 1 versus 450. If you want to see the Lord's best for your life, then it will require obedience to His plan on your part. You may not like what the Lord is telling you to do. You wouldn't be the first person and you won't be the last one who don't like it. But we still need to follow it. Obedience to the Lord is very important. First Samuel 5.22 says, Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. That's His command. You know, we need to obey. And we're not, we're not, hey, we don't serve for eye servers. We're not men pleasers. We're to be servants of Christ. Amen? That's what we need to be. And our obedience, you know what obedience proves? It proves our love. Yeah, in the context you're talking about the Lord, when we obey the Lord, we prove that we love Him. John 14, 15 talks about that. And steadfastness requires some steadfastness. If Gideon and his army was to experience victory, they would have to humble themselves to God's plan, surrender to it, obey His will, and then proceed in faith. <clears throat> oh, again, if, if there is such a viewing room in heaven, of the Bible, like you can see it in real life, I would really like to see the faces of the 300 as they're milling around the camp wondering what is the Lord going to do with us against the 135,000 down in the valley with all their weapons and their abilities. I mean, Midian, or sorry, Gideon comes back after the Lord tells them and, tell, and lays out the plan of the trumpets and the, uh, and the lights and the, what the yelling things. And I don't know about you, but as I read this portion of Scripture and I listened to it this week, I'd be like, so when do we fight? (laughs) Uh, That's what battle, that's what we do in battles, right? I mean, that's what my dad told me. You know, I've never been in a battle before, Gideon, but aren't we supposed to fight? Can can you see here that there needs to be some steadfastness? Say, this is a step of faith here for me. Gideon, I don't understand this. This is... This is not in anybody's playbook. This is totally different. 
It took great faith for them to blow their trumpets and break their pitchers and shine those lights. But God answered their faith by giving them a resounding victory. Resounding. If you're going to see God's best plan for your life, it's going to require some faith. And you know about some of the faith? Step down faith is never comfortable. If it's comfortable, you're not stepping out, are you? It's just not. When you step out by faith, it's going to, it's not going to be comfortable. God's going to ask you to take some steps along the path that will be difficult. That will be uncomfortable. And that you will not be sure of. But the path to God's best is always a path of faith. There's no way around that. I mean, the Bible tells us that God honors it, Hebrews 11.6. But without faith, it's impossible to please Him. We need to have faith. Now, and folks, don't think for a moment that I got this all figured out here preaching this. This message preached more to me this week as I prepared it than any others recently. Hey, we, this is a constant thing. This is not like once I got it figured out. No, it's a constant stepping out by faith. The results of God's plans. When God's people submit to God's plan and carry it out for His glory, the results are astounding. We see the enemy was you know, terminated, if for lack of a better word. There was none left. I mean, they, they sounded those things. And, and so the Lord was already preparing the heart of the enemy, right? He, when Gideon went in with uh, Furrah, his servant, and he heard what they said in that dream, they, they were already spooked. You know, that's what guys would say. They're spooked. The reality is, God was placing doubt in their heart. God was, God was moving amongst them. God was moving against them. And then when the trumpets blew and things, there was mass confusion, lights everywhere, woken up in the middle of the night, lots of screaming. And just think about this. So it's a valley, like an amphitheater. So one side is Gideon with his men and Saw the Lord! And, and Gideon! And the lights come on, the trumpets blow, and then the next one, then the next one. Because it wasn't instantaneous, was it? Now, they didn't have communication like we have today. Let's do it now! No, they, they had to hear it, then they did it, and then this one heard it, that one heard it. And so it was just resounding in the, in the valley, and total confusion by the Lord. He allowed it to happen, and they were destroyed. God has planned for you. Absolutely. He wants to see your enemies terminated. But you know, the enemy has a plan for you too. The enemy's desire is for you to be defeated. As an individual believer, be defeated. He wants you to be unhappy. He wants you to be miserable. So everywhere you go, people see that they know you're a Christian and you're miserable and you're unhappy and you're defeated. You're pretty sure you're a big sign saying, I don't want to be a Christian. You're not going to have peace in your heart and life. But you choose to walk in God's plan and you can be confident to know that God has a plan. Hey, listen, we might not understand every step. I've been there. Absolutely. I've been there. I don't understand what's happening, but I know I'm supposed to follow. I haven't always done it right either, but I have seen the results of following God right and it's amazing. It's truly astounding. The people were victorious. The enemy was terminated. They were victorious. Israel enjoyed a great victory because they chose the best plan. They chose God's plan. God's plan for your life and mine is that we'll be able to walk in victory. Romans 8.37 
Nay, in all things we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. 2 Corinthians 2.14 Now thanks uh, be to un- unto God, which always caused us to triumph in Christ and take as manifest the Savior of His knowledge by us in every place. Well, 1 Corinthians 15.57 says, But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, every one of those verses I just mentioned talks about conquerors, victory, triumph. That's what God desires for your heart and life. But it can only be experienced when we walk in His plan. Walk His way. His plan is the best plan. You know, I think about Paul, you know, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he had a thorn in the flesh, right? And he asked the Lord three times to take it away from the Lord would not. But you saw even through that infirmity, he says, I'm going to follow God. I'm going to do what's right. The week he could have said, I am mad with you, God. You give me this thorn in the flesh. I can't serve you. You know I'm a good servant, but you won't take this away from me. I could do so much more. But you know what Paul said? I'll follow you. You know, there's a whole lot of Christians over in this section right now all upset with God about something. And they're too busy upset with God to follow His plan. Paul says, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to do what you want me to do, Lord. Even though it might be hard. Even though it might be... Just like the song we heard just before I got to preach, there might be lots of tears. And it's a hard road. Listen, God's plan is best. And I'm not trying to minimize if you're going through something like that. Not at all. I'm trying to encourage you, keep following God. Don't stop. Don't take the pack off so that says I'm done. No, keep following the Lord. God's name is glorified when we follow Him. Because the victory was won without a great army, without a fierce battle. God got the glory. It wasn't Israel that did this. I mean, we read that earlier in the Scripture. He said, I don't want that many men because Israel vaunts itself up. They'll get conceited and say, oh, we did it. We are great men of arms. When you think about it, last ten years, Midianites have been running all over them and then they would defeat them and say, it's all us. Come on, guys. You've been a bunch of cowards. But he says, no, this was of the Lord. Neither Gideon nor his army could go home. None of them could go home and say, yeah, we defeated those guys. Well, tell us the story. <clears throat> well, we blew a trumpet. You did what? And yes, and we broke a clay pitcher and showed the light. No. That wasn't no good war stories, is it? No. At the end of the day, the battle was truly God's. And God got the glory. God got the victory. When we turn away from our plan, I don't know what plan you're chasing right now. I don't know what it is. And it doesn't matter if you're a teenager, a single young adult, married young person, someone who's got children, you're older in the last quarter of life, whatever. It doesn't matter. God always has a plan for your life. So I don't know where you are, but you need to follow God's plan. Turn away from your plan and embrace His. It might not be an easy road. Actually, I would probably guarantee it won't be an easy road if you're going to follow God's plan. But if you follow God's plan, He'll get the glory. And you see some amazing things that you never thought you'd see. 
After all, what's this life as a believer all about? 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, Wherefore, there, uh, Whether therefore we eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. Let your light so shine before men, Matthew 5.16, that ye may see your good uh, works, that they may see your good works, and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Our lives, our obedience ought to point men to Him. Not to ourselves. 1997, I surrendered to the ministry. Lord, whatever you want. At first I said, Lord, I'll do anything you want except for church planting. And you know what the Lord did, right? Made me go to be a church planter. 1997, I surrendered whatever the Lord would have. And at that moment, when I surrendered, I prayed about uh, three places. I prayed about going to Newfoundland to start a church. I prayed about going to China. And I prayed about going to El Salvador. I mean, I'm sure glad that he didn't tell me to go to China because, man, I would massacre that language so bad. I'd probably enjoy all the food, but, man, I have a really hard time communicating. But anyways, I prayed about all those three places. And the Lord, through His Word, through His Spirit, through other believers, through circumstances of life, pointed to Newfoundland. And I followed. No, I didn't... Uh, I didn't ask my wife to marry me until I knew she could handle the East Coast. Oh, I'm dead serious. No, I wasn't going to marry anyone until I knew they could handle East Coast is different than here. All right, it's different. And I'm dead serious. She went to Cape Breton to visit her dad. He was living out there at the time. And she went to visit him. She came back. I said, how'd you like it? Did you like it? Because that was the closest she could get to Newfoundland. And... Kate Bretners are just Newfoundlanders who ran out of money on the way to Ontario. So uh, th- that's not really true, but it's a joke we have, okay? Don't go say that to anyone from Kate Breton. You might get a punch in the face. But uh, at any rate, uh, she came back. She said, oh, I absolutely loved it. I was like, all right, perfect. I believe you. We moved to Newfoundland, uh, had a ministry there for a number of years. And, and I thought, I'm going to be dead honest with you. I thought I would die in Newfoundland. I had no plans to ever leave it. No, it wasn't like, hey, I'm going to be here for four or five years and then I'm going to move on to somewhere else. No, I was quite happy. I mean, I would love to see a lot more Newfoundlanders get saved. I'll be really honest with you. We would love to see a lot more families come to church. But through circumstances, through issues, the Lord just showed, hey, you're not in Newfoundland. You've got to go to Ontario. You have to go to the GTA. You have to go to Brampton. I'm like... This is really different. I mean, really different. And I'm going to be honest with you. There was a lot of times where I wanted to turn the truck around and go back. It wasn't easy. It was, I'm going to tell you, I mean, I, I used to, the town I lived in had like 7,000 people. I got more people on my block, it seems like, than in the whole town I lived in. Now, there was times when I woke up and I'm like, Lord, what are you doing with me? Have I been really that bad? It was hard. I'll be honest, there was times when I was pretty close to crying to go back. Lord, bring me back. This was never my plan. You see where I'm going with this? It was never my plan to be here. 
you know, and the Lord worked on our hearts. He, you know, we, we got to this place and all that was heavy in our hearts. We're like, no, this is where God wants us. This is where we're going to stay. This is where we're going to serve until He moves us again. I'm going to be honest with you. You get in front of God and moving, you're going to get yourself in a whole lot of trouble. You wait till the Lord moves you. And every part of life, just not in the ministry, every part of life. Now, I remember laboring there in Brampton, laboring there in Brampton, and, and, and problems, some situations came up. We had a bunch of people leave over issues. I, I'll be honest, I had 15 people walk out of church because they did not believe the same way our church did, uh, that we believe the Lord returns and then the church goes before the tribulation. I had 15 people walk out of church. And you know what? They didn't call me very nice names as they went. I'm not actually in the church service, but you know, amongst themselves. That's fine. Leave. This is what we believe. Amen? I'm not changing. Because I see this from God's Word. And I, I remember as we were going through all that, and I sought Pastor Thiessen's advice, a good friend. Uh, you know, Pastor Thiessen, what do you think? Can you give me some advice? And, and just how all those conversations happened. And I went to him and said, hey, what do you think about our church merging with your church? Hey, the Lord did it, right? The Lord brought it together. He said to me, okay, Pastor Mark, you stand for two years and see what the Lord will do, and we'll go from there. All right, sounds great. And labored here, labored here, and started getting phone calls the last year and a half, so it was two-year commitment, about eight, nine months into being here, I started getting phone calls from other churches. Could you, would you consider coming being our pastor? Like, nope. I am super honored that you would phone me. I am humbled by that, but I have a commitment and I'm going to keep it. You know, and, and as the time went on, I knew the Lord was definitely preparing my heart to, to take the senior pastor again. And I remember sitting down with Pastor Teeson and telling him, Pastor Teeson, this is what the Lord's laying on my heart. And then he drops the bomb that he's moving on. I wasn't very happy with him at that moment. It was my time to make him go, oh, but. He ended up making me do that. Hey, I'm going to be honest. That just blew me out of water. That wasn't my plan. You know, it's so easy for us to conjure up a great plan on our own. Now, it definitely was God's plan for me to become a senior pastor again. Absolutely. That was beyond a shadow of doubt. But I didn't think it'd be here. And I said, all right, Lord, you're going to have to help me. Has it always been comfortable? No. Nope. It's never always comfortable. What, what job in the world do you have that is always comfortable? Didn't think anyone popped their hand up for that one. No, we just need to follow God's plan. Follow what He's laying out for you. And, and maybe it's down a path where you feel a little bit of pressure. Alright. You won't be the first one and neither will you be the last one. Follow God. Do what's right. Maybe it's a plan where, you know, your friends are like, oh, you're doing that. Who cares? Follow God. Follow God. See what He'll do. Maybe God's messing around with your plans. And I am so glad that God, I follow God's plan to be here. I have seen Great things in my family's life. I've seen great things in our church life. The Lord is blessed. The Lord is encouraged. He's given us victories. It is God's plan. Amen. And I'm so glad I followed it. That's just not my story. Like, that's not the only story. You can have an amazing story, too, if you follow God's plan. Absolutely. I was just thinking this week as I was 
putting this message together. We didn't have a yearbook in my school that I went to. There was only like, I don't know, 40, 50 of us in the Christian school I went to. And the year that I graduate, I was the graduating class. All right. Uh, so there wasn't a big school, so we didn't have a yearbook. But I guarantee you if I had a yearbook and they said, where would Mark be in 25 years? It would not be here. But God had a plan. God has a plan for each and every one of you here today who know Him as your Lord and Savior. He has a plan. His will. And He has the best plan for your life. Do you hear that? He has the best plan for your life. And, and listen, uh, don't come to me after service. Well, I don't understand all these things. Listen, if you don't understand all those things, I don't know if I know all those things either. I mean, I'll be a help. I'll be an encouragement. I'll pray for you. I'll pray with you. But that's what the step of faith is, right? That's your step of faith. Follow Him. And see where he, He's leading you. And He'll produce things in your life that you never thought possible. Absolutely. Do you think God cares about you? Church, think God cares about you? Absolutely. Do you think He has the best plan for you? Absolutely. Follow Him. Follow Him. Again, I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but I'm going to tell you, it's rewarding. It's rewarding. He has the best plan for the life after this life too, amen? His plan for you is for you to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. That's His plan for you. You get to choose it, but that's His plan. Neither is there salvation any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. It's only through Jesus Christ. Watch your direction. Watch your young, where's your, what's your direction, teenager? What's your direction, college student? Mom, dad? A senior, uh, someone who's in between all those, maybe not married, whatever the case. What's God's plan for your life? And if you don't know, let me encourage you to spend some time with the Lord and find out. And once you do know, follow. Follow Him. Yeah, if we could talk to Gideon right now, I'm pretty sure he'd tell us the best thing you could do is follow God's plan. The best thing you could do. He'll get all the glory and He'll encourage you along the way. Follow God. God's plan is best.